0: Ready. Hello, all you moneymakers. This is Indar Lang, and I'm super excited to talk to my great friend Cam here. Um, Cam's been a great friend. We've had some really in-depth conversations um, just through the year of a couple years giving to, getting to know each other. Um, he's a beast in his market, and he's come a long way, and he's very humble. You're going to hear it from him, but uh, we're super excited to hear um, and talk here with cam about flipping and some high-end volume that he does so just before we get started i'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can thank you guys and let's get started in today's content let's love it, it man
1: thank you so much for having me i'm excited for this
0: yeah so tell everyone um, who you are and about yourself and your background and so forth, all the fun great stuff
1: yeah i love it so my name is cameron um i am a real estate investor obviously so i uh flip houses wholesale houses we have a rental portfolio uh, my wife and i of single family homes uh around you know uh, 11 to 12 million dollars worth of, of uh, single family rentals that we own um and uh we have three kids riley callie and Cade. Nice, they're nice. five three and two and so they're amazing um and we uh, our market that we invest in is in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, that's kind of home base for us. But we actually, for the last four months, have been in Maui, um, and we're hoping to make that full time here pretty soon. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, we lived in Denver, Colorado, um, and we were paycheck to paycheck. Super, uh, not I wouldn't say poor, um, but we were just paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I was making forty thousand dollars a year. My wife was yeah. making right around that, and it's an expensive market to live in. We always knew, like, this isn't this is is not the way that we want to live our life. You know, yeah. having to go to a grocery store and looking at your account statements before you you know you swipe your card. Um, but we never actually had like that that thing that pushed us off the ledge. Where you know um, we were we were content, we were happy. We knew it wasn't what we wanted to to do with our lives, but we never had that thing that pushed us off the edge. But we had our daughter um, who is now uh, five years old. And when she was about one year old, um, she had some medical issues and we got hit with uh, some hospital bills and it totaled to about $15,000 worth of hospital bills that we had to mm-hmm. come out of pocket and pay. Um, and when we got those bills, um, I remember sitting at the dinner table with my wife and we had, you know, 500 bucks in our bank account at the time. And we, you know, $15,000 could have been $10 million to us at that time. Like we weren't going to pay it. There was no, like, there was no way we could come up with $15,000. And I I remember that was kind of the point where we were like, this is, we got to change something. We don't want every time there's a medical issue that comes up or every time a car breaks down, or even like when we go, want to go on a vacation or go Mm -hmm. out to eat, like having to worry about money. And so that was in 2018 that that happened. And then we uh we in 2019 kind of decided like real estates the avenue um and we had zero prior experience to real, in real estate like we don't come from a family of people that are investing in real estate you know don't have any experience whatsoever um no construction experience um i just had heard that that i think it's andrew carnegie quote that you know 90% of self-made millionaires do it through real estate and so <laughs> i was like i want to be a millionaire so i'm gonna i know um, a little bit of
0: more of your background because you actually you're a pastor's son right you came from yeah i'm a pastor's son i was
1: a pastor so i was a pastor was working from that
0: christian background of yeah and raising capital to do you know yes and help the community so that's that's an interesting background yeah
1: and it was super helpful like that background getting into real estate because as a pastor you learn to work with people and and help people. And that's what, you know, that in our business, and I can explain a little bit more as we, as we chat, like that, that's one of our businesses. Like we want to help people. We want it to be a win-win situation for the the seller for us is the kind of the, the middleman on a flip or a wholesale deal or a wholesale deal. And the end buyer, we want it to be a win for them. And then for rental properties, we want it to be a win-win across the board. And so being a pastor certainly helped with all of that stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was we were we were broke and realized like I want to make some money and so uh decided to to like move in the the real estate into the real estate realm and um we bought our first property uh in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we uh we used the the Burr method. Um, you know, because I had started listening to podcasts, reading books and heard, you know, Brandon um talk about the Burr method and uh, to be honest, I was like, there's no way that this works. I, I, I didn't think that it was a real thing. I was like, mm-hmm. if, if it works, why is not everybody doing this? Um, and, uh, we got done with our first deal, uh, that we bought. We bought it for $67,000. We were all in for $97,000. We got it appraised $155,000. And awesome. we tinted in there at 1450 a month. And so we were able to cash out refi, pay back our private money lender, put money in our pocket, plus have a cash flowing rental. And we got done with that first one and we were like, this is amazing. Let's do it as many times as we can. And so that deal was kind of the, the starting point where we just went. We went 100 miles an hour after that yeah. deal. Realized the power of what this could do for us. And so for you look,
0: started looking for rentals first or you're flipping.
1: I, so I did. No, I started looking for rentals first. <clears throat> the the goal was actually at the time, like this was a side hustle for us. Yes. Um, and we got done with that first deal. Um, and quickly bought five or six more properties literally within like two weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was buying from wholesalers um, that I was I was buying from wholesalers and I realized like, hey, they're just out finding deals um, and selling them to me for a you know 10, 15, 20k markup. Yeah. Why can't I just go find deals myself. Um, and so like really quickly got into wholesaling or not wholesaling, but just acquisitions, finding off market leads. And it, again, it was just to to help us with our, our rental company. Yeah, um, it started finding deals that you know cash flow numbers didn't work. The kind of the higher end market in St. Louis, which is still a, you know I would say four hundred thousand dollars plus, didn't really work as a as a rental, but worked as a flip. And so we started flipping and started having all these deals and you know different little municipalities that you know are really tough on permitting or areas that we just didn't want to invest in, and so started mm-hmm. wholesaling those. And it was like we went from zero to a hundred miles an hour literally within three months. You know, and I the first year I was in real estate, I think, bought um close to a hundred homes. So wow. that's a pretty fast scale right off the bat. That's huge, and to be fair, like when I say that, um a lot of those were wholesale deals. I would say probably sixty of them were wholesale deals where I was just flipping paper, signing a contract to somebody. So um it wasn't is, you know, time intensive of flipping a hundred homes or, or rehabbing a hundred homes via the Burr method, but we still, you know, bought a hundred homes that first year.
0: Hmm. That's
1: great. Yeah. So um, and now, now where are you guys at today? What are you guys doing today? Yeah, so, you know, we actually have not, um, we we have not we, We've been about a hundred homes a year for the last three years. So 2020, 2021, 2022, Um, and then so far in 2023, our volume being here in Hawaii, our our volume has, has dropped quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. actually our, our margins have gone up a ton because right now we're buying, you know, the, just the market that we're in, there's less buyers out there. Um, and it's, it's, for me, it's been harder to find deals. Um, 2020, 2021, 2022, it was really easy to find deals right now. It's harder for me to find deals and just make the numbers work. Um, but what I found is, and maybe it's because we're being more conservative on our numbers, but the deals that we're buying um are home runs. You know, we had bigger margins. Uh, yeah. Huge margins. We had, you know, six flips in quarter one um that were all between uh uh 75k net to 150k net, which That's is awesome. Yeah, which is, you know, our average net on a flip is typically about 35k and Clus. Yeah. And, and so we uh uh, you'll take that out I'll, I'll take that all day do less to make you know the same or yeah, more. yeah exactly so um and i'm not sure if we're we don't want to transition our business into that model of low volume you know right now it's working um we're kind of just going with the flow of like what whatever the market i think that's an important thing in real estate is like whatever the market gives us that's what we're we're gonna we're gonna work with that and so like right mm-hmm. now i feel like the, the market we're we're finding less deals um, but the deals that we're buying are really great deals that we're making a, a lot of money on. What does your team look like today? What, what what do you got now? Yeah, so we're not a huge team. Um, we've got uh, a couple acquisition managers um, on the ground in St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got uh, my wife and myself who kind of run the company. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, a project manager, property manager, maintenance tech, and then we've got, you know, couple VAs, we, we have a, a, a cold calling team. Um, but these are all, you know, hourly people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we probably have, I would, I'd say 50 to 60, 1099 guys that, you know, don't work for us, but work for us because we always have, you know, at any given time we have, you know, probably five to eight projects going on that all oh, have your, their subs, their contractors. Yeah. They're also, yeah. So our project manager oversees them. They don't work for us, yeah. they they most of them work primarily on us that's our goal is to keep them busy yeah, you know of course. yeah throughout the year but um yeah at any given time um they're they're working at those houses that we're we're in the process of of renovating so um so like actual like employees under our roof is probably only like 7 or 8 mm-hmm. and you're finding you're doing a lot of cold calling how how is that
0: managing the whole cold calling team and
1: yeah it's uh it, it, it's been a lot of fun um it's kind of a newer process where we're taking lists um and we're dwindling them down via vas over in the the philippines and cold calling companies we're dwindling them down to you know uh taking a list of like sixty eight thousand records and taking mm-hmm. that down to so like here is a thousand people who answer the phone and mm-hmm. have said to sell my house in the next two years then we're taking that list and And we're giving it to to people that are actually on my team to cold call. But the answer rates, instead of being at, you know, three to 4%, is it probably 60%. Um, And they're all, I wouldn't say they're warm leads. They're all leads, you know, and then you still have to go through that list and figure out like, Hey, who are the people that are serious about selling that want to sell soon? And then on top of that, who are the people that want to sell, you know, off market. Um, And so then taking that and getting down to like, Hey, here, here are the actual leads. But what I love about cold calling is um, you're building a pipeline because with like direct mail, we do direct mail as well. Mm-hmm. The, the the buyers are reaching or the sellers are reaching out to you and they're typically ready to go. Like with cold calling, you're kind of finding somebody, you know, yeah, if, if you know, it's, you gotta convince them to sell. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that's typically like a, yeah, you know, I'd be interested in selling. I haven't really thought about it a ton, you know, um, but interested in at some point, you know, uh, you know, my, my kid's about to graduate high school and then we're going to sell our house or, um, you know, uh, am I'm, I'm going to retire and then we're going to sell move somewhere else. And so what I love about cold calling is you have you, you, if you're good at the follow-up, um, the, one of the sayings is fat stacks are in the follow-up, you know, mm-hmm. which is so like, if you're good at the follow-up, you're building this pipeline of leads that you just have to continually touch over and over and over again. And sometimes, you know, it's a a year or two years before you actually get the deal. But if you're staying consistent, you, we use Podio as a CRM. You're staying consistent, calling them once a month, just reminding them who you are, that you're there for them. Whenever they're ready to sell, Um, you're going to get that lead eventually or get that buy eventually. So that's what I love about cold calling is you're building a huge, huge funnel. Do you like dealing with all of the
0: teams of cold calling? Like, cause now you're constantly following up make sure they're doing uh, their
1: job. And- yeah. I, I don't like that. No, I, I'm not, I'm not the one calling, calling. So no, but you're following up and managing yeah. your team, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And no, I don't, I, I don't love that, but we also have a good team that um. in there they're paid off of commission. So they're yeah. to following up, you know, they're, they, that's how they get paid. So, um, it, it has been a, um, it, it, hasn't been a tough, a super tough process. So all of our team members, um, I have been very, very happy with, they, they all crush it. And, and part of that is, you know, our hiring process, we, we hire, we make everybody go through the disc and we're hiring people and we're trying to get them in the exact right place that they're supposed to be in our disc. Yeah, you're
0: big, you're big on disc. We can talk about that. So we disc. were just uh, talking about that the, when I was with you about the disc test and how important that role is in finding from sellers and to
1: oh, everyone you I talk love-
0: to. You. You, you recognize people's traits now without even having mm-hmm. them read their disc, huh?
1: Yeah, and I think that's what actually like gave me the buy-in on the disc is yeah. I took a, a sales course of like negotiating, um, buying a house based upon a seller's disc. Um, and at the time I didn't even know much about, I knew what the disc was. Um, I had taken the disc, but I I wasn't bought in. And this whole sales course was essentially like, Hey, everybody is somewhere on the disc. And so, uh, there's D I S C essentially a high D is a really dominant trait. They, they want to win. High S is somebody that just is incredibly, uh, Outgoing, they're an extrovert. They're somebody that they're a people person. High S is somebody that wants stability. is a super like family-oriented person. Um, they need to know that they're safe. They want to feel yeah. safe. And high C is somebody that's just super analytical. Um, and so that that's kind of the a quick. You know, I could talk about for hours, but that's a quick overview of the disc. And so this whole sales uh, training was like quickly identify where somebody is on the disc and then use that. You know. I don't want to say like you're, you're, you're meeting people where they want to be met. You know, it's not manipulate. You're just, you're talking to people the way they want to be talked uh, to. And, and so with that, like a high D, if I walk into a house and I realize this person's a high D um, they're uh, they're going to want to feel like they won the negotiations. And so (laughs) um, like, you know, what, what I, what I do is like, say the person wants $200,000 for their house. And I, I know, or maybe not 200,000, we're just negotiating. And I, I know my max level offer is say $200,000. I'll start at 150, 160. And every time I go up, I make it feel like they're just like pulling my teeth out. Like it's so hard for me and yeah. uh, I can't believe it, but I, I, I'm going to work my way up to 200 the entire time and make them feel like they just, you know, destroyed me in those negotiations that they won. And you want them to feel very like you know dominant in that. And so the high D that's what I do with a high I, you know, it's somebody which I'm a high I, but it's you're just best friends with that person. Like I'm talking about sports, I'm talking about the weather, I'm talking about traveling, you know, it's somebody that's uh very outgoing and they just want to be your best friend. And so when I'm negotiating with a high I, I'm not talking about the house, I'm just talking about life and becoming friends with them. And that's how like if somebody were ever to try to buy a house from me, that I would much rather sell to somebody that I like and feel comfortable with and enjoy than somebody that's going to offer more, but I don't like. And so that like high I, you're just being best friends. High S is, uh, is somebody that wants to know, like, how does this make me feel safe? And then also like the family aspect, they're very sentimental. And so I'm, I'm really great personally at buying from high I's and high S's where like a high S, like I can explain to them, like. Hey, um, you, you have raised your family in this house and this house has a ton of sentimental value and you selling this house. Isn't you like giving away those memories? Like you get to add on a line that I use is like, we're going to honor your legacy by buying this house. And you're not like giving that up. You get to be a part of another family's legacy. Like another family is going to buy this house and they're going to have the same memories that you've made here for the last 40 years. They're going to you know, have family Christmases here, Thanksgiving dinners here. And so like with a high S, I try and cast the vision of like the sentimental value of of the house. Um, and so, like if I ever walk in a house, like one of the uh, an S indicators is like if you walk a house and you see like the door frame with their kids' ages as they grow up, like the heights of it. Like you know, every time I see a door frame with heights in it, like I'm like that. That's it's a house I feel very confident I'm gonna buy. <laughs> um, in high C's. Um, and I'm terrible at buying from high C's. Those are the analytical person people. I'm not analytical at all. And so that's why I'm bad at it, but they're just the, they're black and white. Like, tell me, tell me what the numbers are yeah. and tell how you got there. And that's it. And so like with a high C it's like, I buy it 75% of the ARV minus repairs. Here's my number. You know, there's not, <laughs> there's not as much of a game with them. It's just like, give me the numbers. And if so the numbers are working. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How do you recognize the disc
1: real quickly off of people? How do you figure them out? Yeah. So um it it fairly easy. Like a high high D's and high I's are, are really easy to to pick out because a high D is going to be somebody that just has that dominant characteristics, like mm-hmm. the, the very firm handshake, the look you in the eyes, the the kind of just the demeanor. You know, um another way is in this training, which I haven't really used this, is like if you walk through the house of a high D and you see a lot of, um, a lot of like, they have their bachelor's degree on the wall, or you see things that like shows power. Um, you know, that would be a way to, to identify a high D high eyes are super easy. It's just like people that are outgoing, energetic, friendly, smiley, bubbly, charismatic, Mm -hmm. like those are the high eyes. Um, high S is, you know, are again I, I think most of the population is is a high s i think if i remember correctly um but high s's are going to be very family oriented they're going to they're going to talk about their family they're going to um you know they're going to have pictures of their family they're going to be um safe stable high s's are the people that have lived in the house for a long time because of the stability um and so you can just like just through talking with them you can kind of start picking up on different like. Characteristics Mm. of of where they're at and high C's are are, um, typically a little bit quieter, just more analytical in conversations. They're they're pretty direct and to the point, but not dominant. You know, because high D's are direct and to the point, but dominant. High C's are more direct and to the point, but that's just because they're analytical and they don't care about like the small talk and whatnot. So, do you you find you recognize that in people too today? Like just me and you
0: talking, you'll recognize
1: all the time. Actually, with you. I I don't as much. Um, you know, uh you you've got a good poker. F- Maybe it's from buying houses so much. We've <laughs> got a good poker face. Like I would say, like you you run your own business, so you're probably a high D. Um, you're very outgoing, um and friendly. So you're like, uh, do you know your disc? Uh, I don't know it offhand. I can't remember it. Oh, so, uh, I gotta go take the test. So you're somewhat high i <laughs> Um yeah, I would guess you're a high D, high I. Um, yeah.
0: Well, most investors or entrepreneurs yeah. are I's in general, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah. if I were guessing, but I I actually don't off of having <laughs> a conversation with you, right? I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Most people I can be like, hey, this is exactly where you are. Um, and but, but with you, I'm not 100%. <laughs> That's
0: funny. It's great that you use the DIS personality test in, in, in sales too, because it's just everyone's taught you to use it just for hiring and firing. But you're also using it, you're taking it to the next level and in, in 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 your business. That's yeah, and it's amazing.
1: And it's just it's it's meeting people like where they want to be met at. Like for me, I'm a high eye and I want to be best friends with everybody. And so um I if you're if you try to talk numbers with me or systems and processes, you'll lose me really quick. And that doesn't mean that I don't like you. It just is I'm disinterested in what you know, like I wanna I wanna yeah. hang out. And so it's just meeting like people in- or interacting with people with how they want to be interacted with, and the same goes with hiring and firing. Of like, um, you know, when we bring somebody on the team, we want to know, like, for myself,
0: is the what is the best position that they can excel at? I learned that early on when I was hiring for my first admin position. I was hiring great people uh, that had the beautiful resume. They had a great, uh, you know, interview with me, and they're great pre- people but I was putting in a position that they didn't excel at because of their personality type. You know, they weren't an admin is very task oriented person. And I didn't, you know, I was putting more of the outgoing person in there, the entrepreneur type person in there. And I noticed
1: that. Well, and I think like, I got a great example of that in our business, Um, is a high D and a high I Mm -hmm. like, and I feel like there's just this natural, you want everybody to be like you or you expect everybody to be like you. And so like, for me, my favorite thing in the world is getting thrown to the wolves and like, figure it out, Cameron, like, you know, here, here's the goal and figure it out how to get to that goal. Um, uh, with a high S and C it's the exact opposite where, so like our project manager, for instance, and he's, I, I, I would die for this guy. He is the, he's the best, I believe he's the best project manager in the world. He is incredible. Um, but he's not that way where he's, He's a high S and C where he's like, if you tell me exactly what to do and how to do it, I am going to do it better than anybody in the world. But if you just throw me to the wolves, that's going to stress him out. That's going to make, you know, (laughs) so um, I've had to learn that with him of like, uh, he needs very clear, like. Um, expectations and what to do, but then he'll he's going to do that and do it better than anybody in the world. Me hat, I mean, he's been so amazing for our business. But learning how to to talk with people and, and to 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 like even bring out the best of them um, using that, where it's like with acquisition managers, I want them to be high D's and high eyes um, because they're paid off of commission, um, and I want them to go out and hustle and grind. And figure out ways to buy houses, and you have to have a high eye to to negotiate, typically, and to to be in people's houses and sitting down and talking with them. There, um, you have boots in the ground over there. Yeah, two people. Yes, and so the problem with a high D and a high eye, and this is the acquisitions problem in general with any business, is. Um, and it's even what I did with I I had some some guys that I worked for when I when I first started. I was yeah, actually want to leave you family. and they do their own. Um yeah, yeah they they want to leave you. And and I love the people that I work, and there's no bad blood there. Um, but I learned how to buy houses and was, you know, we had you know profit splits with them, but I was like, I can go do this on my own and yeah, make more you know. And so that's the problem with a high D and a high I is they're typically going to want to, they're gonna be really great for. However long it is that they're with you, but then they're going to do their own thing. Yeah, that happened to
0: us big time. We had a we had a guy, and I kind of put all my money into him, trained him everything, and then yeah, when he left, you spent all your time with him, and uh, now I I structured differently, of course.
1: I think there's a part of like structuring pay, um, which we have not done this yet. I've talked to a buddy where he like say you're giving them, you know, twenty percent uh you know of uh, the net profit on a deal that they bring in or something like that where mm-hmm. i talked to a buddy who does this and he gives out i think 13 percent it closing when the the money is like realized and then he'll hold seven percent and he'll vest that and it's not vested for five years so if you want that extra seven percent mm-hmm. you don't get it for five years and then in are you know year two you don't get that till year six so and that's his way of like keeping those guys on because they have, you know, multiple hundred thousand dollar paydays coming for him at year five, six, seven, yeah. eight. Yeah. Uh, and so we don't do that in our business. I think that is an interesting way to to keep them on. For me, um, I I have like with high D and IIs and I just get it I, like a mindset of abundance of, hey, you know what? I get it. Like you are going to be somebody that I pour into a ton. And you're gonna to want to go do it on your own. And I, I I hate it, but I also can't fault them for it because I I do the exact yeah. same. I know, yeah, you know what? It's like we both do like we're I think we're probably both high D's and high I's where it's like, you know, the reason you have your own company and the reason I have my own company is because we wanted to do the exact same thing, and so yeah. I can't fault them for that. I do think one of the things like to think through, I, I've got a business coach and we've chatted a little bit about this, is like just be so good to them and make, make them feel so valuable and that it's impossible for them to leave, you mm. know? Mm. Um, and so that, that's one thing that we're kind of processing right now. What does that look like? We actually in our company haven't went through that cycle yet. Cause we're such a new company to where people are, are leaving. So I haven't had to deal with that yet. Like you mm. have, you know? but um, but I'm I'm sure it's coming at some point. I changed up uh, a lot of things after that happened. So
0: Mm-hmm. talk about that privately that's more of a personal company <laughs> yeah. structure If we can talk about. love it but yeah uh, it's yeah i changed up a lot of things after that happened to me because you poured so much time and energy and it, it's hard to start over when you're mm-hmm. when you are already on your growth to your next thing and now you got to
1: go back down to there and yeah you know, well and that yeah that that's the that's the tough thing Um, I'm trying to think of how much to say because it's a tough thing about running like a flipping company, Um, especially us where we're not boots on the ground. Like if one of our key players leaves, like that's a multi hundred thousand dollar, if not more hit to our company, because we have to find somebody, retrain them, get them up and running. Um, And we have not we're working on it in our business where, you know, like again, with a business coach that we've been talking with of like every single person in the company needs to be training somebody else. So if they leave, you're, you don't have that hit, but like full disclosure, um, if our project manager left right now, like that, he is so amazing. Um, that would be such a huge hit to our company where we would like, he, he is so so amazing that, and it would, it would be a multiple hundred thousand dollar hit to our company. Um, Mm more um and so that's the hard thing about running a business especially where we run lean and mean is um all of our employees are very they they play integral roles in our company they do they do and it's a hard i feel you with that because
0: they are everything to you and they mean everything and you want to take care of them you want to give them the world right you want Mm -hmm. them to be happy and you want them to have the best and it's it's a it's a tough tough thing to to do to uh, yeah, so trying to be a business owner.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so we are still so new and green, and and haven't experienced real life in the real estate industry yet. To where we have have not went through a lot of that yet. Um, and I just know that they're coming from talking with guys that have been doing it for way longer, like you, um, and 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 buddies and mentors in St. Louis. Of like, it, it's definitely coming at some point in our business, and I just want to. I want to start setting the 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 systems right now for when that does happen. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hey, without saying too much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's a
0: tough conversation, of course. But I think that's uh, one of the things that all business owners try uh, struggle with is how to grow and what to pay, you know, as well, and then who to hire, you know, from not having nobody to hire in your first guy Mm -hmm. is definitely the hardest part of any business owner Mm -hmm. nonstop. I think it keeps on going.
1: And we're right there right now in our business, even with what you just said. I mean, we could, we could talk all day. So, but where I heard a good quote
0: the other day is whoever you hire, if you know, you pay them, I don't know, 50 grand for a year, you are supposed to be able to make double that. So if you hire for somebody 50 grand a year, you should be making an extra Um, hundred grand a year. And uh, on top of that, for, I thought that was interesting the way I think of it differently.
1: Well, and what we're kind of going through in our business right now is um, we I've got buddies who have ran or are running flipping businesses that have a ton of overhead and say you're doing less volume. You still have that overhead. And so how we've set up our company is we have very low salaries, if any, it's 100% based upon profit, but everybody's getting a piece of the pie. And I'm like, when is that? Like, when is all of a sudden we've given away all the pie and we don't, you know, um, where it's like project manager gets X amount, the acquisition manager who brought in the deal gets X amount, uh, the marketing manager gets, you know, and so it's like, and right now it's still, we still keep a majority of, of the profit, but it's, for every hire, I'm like, when, when does it stop? Or do I change the structure and start salarying people? But I don't want to get there because like I said, you know, in in flipping, it's so cyclical where one month you make X amount or one quarter, you can make X amount and one quarter you could not make anything, you know? Um, And I don't want to be in the situation where I've got all this overhead and I'm not, you know, not turning a profit, well and the,
0: all the risk is to you still too. So that's the other thing. You know, you have all the risk no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, the best way somebody told me to think about is what is that position's good pay for that position, and try and make match it that way. If you're doing a commission based, you know, or a combination yeah. of that,
1: and that's what we've done is like I, I honestly I set a pretty low bar of like, hey, I think an acquisition should be ma- ma- manager should be making X amount if you buy you know, 20 houses this year as an acquisition manager, and we do our normal, like, profit that we, you know, you should make X amount. Um, If you buy 50 houses, you'll make double that and you'll make a ton of money. Or if you buy 10 houses, you're not going to make very much at all, you know, so uh, I've tried to do that. um, But, uh, and and it's it's working well so far, but that's great that they're happy and they're happy with what they
0: make, because it's harder for some people to recognize that, hey, we don't make money until, you know, later on. Or you make some up front. Do they get paid up front some
1: and then some later
0: uh, they, at the end I mean, of the flip? They yeah, paid. They get paid
1: at the end. They get paid like at the end of a flip. They get paid, you know, a wholesale deal is quicker because it, it's typically you know, can be done in 10, 15 days. But a flip, it's like, hey, we're not getting paid until this flip closes. Yeah, that was a hard thing for us with uh, some of our acquisition guys that
0: they're not getting paid till six months, nine months later. And they didn't recognize that, you know?
1: So yeah, fortunately for us with flips, we're, we're at about a, a 70 to 90 day turnaround. Cause we're so not, can, yeah, Yeah, we're doing 50 K rehabs versus you doing a, a million yeah, K. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we can get them paid a little bit quicker. Um, but still like, it is tough where you have to, as a commission employee, you have to be budgeting of like, Hey, I, you know, I've got, three or four flips closing but they're not closing for another you know 60 days yeah so in the interim i might not be making any money yeah you know?
0: we, we fully changed it out from the commission base down to more to a salary with a small commission um, and more com- partnerize everything uh, generally we had our guys they were helping from buying into closing and even coordinating closing as well tc stuff and um because it was a small lean team and for us, the biggest change is when we just got specific in the job task and compartmentalize. Hey, you are just doing sales. Hey, you are just. We we only have a sales guy. We have an underwriter guy. So we separated those two, um, and now of course we have our TC closing and like compartmentalizing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Really made it better for both sides. Now that guy can just focus on on one thing, you know, and that that girl can just focus on that one task they were trying we we're trying to kind of do too much yeah. yeah no
1: that's that's important we're we're uh we're not there yet as a company um where we still every I feel like everybody in the company is doing multiple roles um but then
0: you're able to bring in or move out you know if somebody leaves in that position you're able to you build a company now and said now I could sell you know hopefully I can sell the company if I wanted to yeah. that's the goal trying to get to is to come partnerize and keep it love it
1: that Dude, way that's, <laughs> that's awesome it's
0: hard that, it's still yeah. not there yet but that's super cool we're trying to grow it make it super but um <laughs> we just kind of got into that tangent <laughs> but we never even did that. so we met we met at the maui mastermind right we <laughs> met at uh, arizona the arizona meetup. yeah
1: yes arizona yeah, yeah. uh-huh in Sedona. A great that was a great event. Yeah. Andar's a cra- Andar almost got us arrested. Um, crazy Jeep driver, five star Jeep tours. Yes. So, uh, and then what was that? After that, it was Gabe in my because I was driving the Jeep behind you. Yes. And there's the people in front of you that were mad. Yeah. Gabe laid on the horn in my Jeep, but they thought it was your Jeep. Yeah. And they they were hot. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing yeah I almost yeah. got us the and I almost got us in a fight Endar. <laughs> yeah yeah but better way to have fun a bunch yeah, of was, real estate investors <laughs> messing with some people <laughs> cruising around on jeeps flying on these jeeping trails that, was, that yeah. was so much
0: fun that was such a good event and that was a really really good people i think i loved everybody at that event it was really high level people high level
1: people yeah, and perfect them. like Uh, everybody no egos everybody trying to help each other that was cool yeah it was
0: very no ego everyone like help each other because there was aj osborne biggest big dogs and you know every every kind of person there yeah i
1: i have such what's it called uh imposter syndrome at those where it's like i'm a single family real estate investor that has a you know a, a around these people I've got an 11 million dollar portfolio and these guys all have 500 700 billion dollar portfolios I get such imposter syndrome when I go I to like that where I'm like I'm really a nobody like I you know in it, I feel like I'm a somebody until I go to these events and I'm like oh my <laughs> goodness I'm I'm a nobody and I get such but everybody there was so helpful so nice so gracious so encouraging I know it's like I
0: feel like that all the time with people even to the normalist person, like, Oh, he's doing that much, so much more better than me. There's always something like somebody's oh. so much better than me. I'm yeah. like, Oh, I, I, I need to do better at that. Cause they're doing better at that. It's hard. It's hard yeah. sometimes. Cause, but then again, you got to think we all have different goals and we have different, um, you know, where we want to be in life kind of.
1: Yeah. And I think that's um, going along with that. Like that's exactly with at least right now, kind of our business where it's like, um, we're, we're incredibly happy and content with what we're making. And obviously, you know, I don't want to, I always want to make more like, I'm not, you know, but, but at the same time, every, it comes with a cost and, and like to, to build a, a multi-billion dollar business, you know, there's a ton of work involved. There's a ton of headache involved. There's a ton of stress involved where like, where we're at right now is a, a pretty good place where there's, I mean, we're still working. There's still stress. We still have a lot of risk, but not, not an unbearable amount where it's like, yeah. I get to spend time. Well, with do my you want to
0: go more? Do you want to do bigger? What's next? Do you want? Yeah,
1: no, great question. I don't, <laughs> as of right now, like, um, I don't think so. Uh, so there's a, there's a book, um, it's called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, and in it, the guy who's writing it, he, he has this story, um, about how he goes and he sits on his front porch. He lives in Portland. Uh, he lives in Portland where it's Nike town and he sits on his front porch and drinks his coffee every morning and reads a book and, you know, 5am, 6am, I don't know what time it is, but the house across from him is a house of, um, like Nike sponsored athletes. And he's mm-hmm. like, every morning, um, I'm up Drinking my coffee, reading a book, and I see these guys out running sprints um, on the street in front of us. And he's like, "They're chiseled, they're jacked, they they <laughs> yeah. um, they've got their shirts off." And he's like, "I, I think to myself, like, I want to look like that. I, I yeah. would love to be in shape like that." But then he he follows it up with, "But then I realize, for me to look like that, I couldn't enjoy my cup of coffee and read a book. I'd have to be out there running sprints." <laughs> <6 a.m." laughs> he kind of, he tied that back to like you know to to get something, you're giving up something, you know, yeah, that's true. And, and he tied it into money. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you could go make more money, but you're giving something else up. And so for like me and my life right now, um, I think I, I don't want to give up time with my family. I don't want to give up time with my wife. I don't want to give up, um, living in Hawaii. Why, you yeah. So you're moving uh, to Hawaii. We didn't get to say, but yeah, yeah.
0: moving to Hawaii or well, you're here now. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to give time. that stuff up. I want to, I don't want to give up relationships where it's like, we're in a really good spot. And maybe we could like say, Hey, you know what, we're going to like grow this business to a hundred million dollar business or a billion dollar business, you know? Um, and yeah. we're going to work really hard and, you know, focus on building a team and stuff. And, and, but also I also, I know that the work that that takes and the the toll that that takes, and I don't think at least right now in my life, I don't think I'm I'm ready for that. And I don't think I want to do that. Maybe, you know, ask me in a year or two years and maybe I'll be in a different position. Um, but right now I'm I'm in a point where it's like, Hey, we've got a really good life and I'm really happy um, with the family and everything. Yeah, And I think that we want to kind of just continue. Um, I know that's not like the popular real estate answer. Everybody's like, I want more, I want more, I want more. Um, and that'd be great if it happened. But I also feel very happy and content with where we're at. And if we could just continue to to do what we do right yeah. now and build a little bit on top no, of that. I'm with
0: you. I'm I'm all about the experiences now in life I want more of. You yeah. know, I want to enjoy life. And just uh-huh. you just sitting here talking, actually, I thought about, man, I want to text Cameron after this and Brody and Brandon and say, let's go to Nye. We're going to go to Four Seasons and take the family and do like a fun thing with all the kids. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking about building the company. I'm like, I want to go out yeah. A great experience at the four seasons with cam and brody and brandon and all the kids and family
1: <laughs> and i'm all about that like a, a backstory on our business um is we uh we got started and we took off you know uh you know we we went 100 miles an hour and um we were making more money than i ever dreamed was possible for us um mm-hmm. and uh but we were working like crazy. And I got to this point where I was stressed out. Like, I don't know if you can see, I started getting gray hairs and, and yeah, you know, yeah. like, and I was like, I, I got into this for a better life lifestyle, like uh, to, to, to live a, a life, you know, that I loved. And I'm like, I'm making money, but I don't love my life right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm working really long hours. I'm stressed out. I'm angry. Um, and so there was a part in our business where it was like, you know, we're going to, we're going to slow down and we're going to start hiring people and giving away, you know, when we started, it was, it was a two man show. It was me and my wife. Yeah. Where you're we making everything. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we're going to give up some, some profit to hire people and put them in the right place, mm-hmm. um, to make our lives better. And I'm so happy we did that where it's like, yeah, we probably could have made more money and, uh, and kept building, um, by running a hundred miles an hour, but I feel really great taking our foot off the the gas pedal and saying, you know what, it's not, it's not all about money. Cause the reality is everybody's going to die. And when I die, um, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about how much money I have in my, on my death, but I'm going to be thinking about the experiences that that I've had and the, the relationships that I have with my kids and, um, a great exercise that I do to, to envision that is like, and this is corny. Um, but I, I, I'll, I, go and visit my 10 year self and, and, you know, and so that sounds super corny. I'm I'm 30, I just turned 32. So like, I will go and visit myself in 10 years every morning with my cup of coffee and I'll literally have a conversation with them. And, and, uh, and it, it sounds super weird, but we'll talk about like our family and our friends. And obviously it's my, myself in 10 years. And so like his life is great, so you're um, having a literal conversation with yourself. <laughs> I'm not talking out loud, but just in my, like, it, it's like oh, a visualization yeah. exercise. But I, I but I say That's that great. to say, we're never talking about money. We're never talking about our business. We're talking about like the experiences that we've had, the relationship that I have with my wife, the relationships that I have with my kids, the relationships that I have with my friends. And it makes me realize like money's, money's great because it's a tool and, and, and you can use that to to have more time. You can use that to have more experiences. So I'm not knocking money at all, but if money for me is what it's all about, then I've massively failed. Um, because when I'm in 10 years, like the person I'm talking to doesn't, doesn't care about money, you know? And so it helps me like every day kind of like live a life of like, who who's that person that I want to be in 10 years yeah. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great friend. Um, I wanna be healthy. Like that's who I want to be. If money's a part of that, then great. But um, that's not like when I look at myself in 10 years, money is like the tenth thing on the totem pole. Well, you're and,
0: moving to Hawaii, so you're gonna, exactly like yeah.
1: yeah, when I go visit myself, I'm I'm sitting on the beach. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so you're ready for the big move to Hawaii? Are you all right with giving up? Um, you know, you you're gonna be separated from your family. Your family's farther away and all that. So that's a big transition you know your wow. not your media family but your parents and your,
1: uh, your parents so it, it's not set in stone yet i will say that um we want it and we're fairly confident about it um but a couple things with that is we we found amazing community here um yeah. we found a great church um another thing that i would say and I, I learned this when i was in denver but when you live what, what's that saying like uh absence makes the heart grow fonder a little bit like when yep. you when you live away the the time that you spend with your family is way more intentional mm-hmm. uh like you know where it in st louis sometimes it feels i mean i love my family they're amazing but it feels somewhat transactional it's like because oh, hey, you see them all the time yeah exactly true. it's like i see them at church i'll drop the kids off you know uh, if Lexi and I are going on a date night and you know but it's very like I love them to death but it, it's it's more like I see them all the time and so it and because of that it's almost like we never have intentional time but mm-hmm. when my parents just visited it was like every day here the entire day was breakfast lunch dinner together having yeah. good, good conversation staying up at night talking late into the night like which are things that don't happen when you live right next door to somebody. It, that's you know, so different. That's a great uh, way to think
0: of it because that's a lot of people's uh, hardest thing about moving to Hawaii is you're
1: you're losing that. You know, yeah, that's a lot of people's hardest thing. Yeah. So for us, I don't feel that way. Um, where it's like I think that there you could create even a better bond and relationship being mm-hmm. there, and then you know we're fortunate enough to where um, our families. You know, especially our parents, my parents and Lex's parents could come and stay for uh an extended period of time. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but we would see them quite a bit. Um, and then all one of our goals if we mo- moved here, um, we would still be back in St. Louis. We'd probably spend our summers, the holidays, and then you know, uh, yeah. maybe in the fall and the spring back home. So we would yeah. still be there probably three plus months out of my wife is from the mainland she goes
0: back once once a year now all the time just spends a week or a month back home where's she from she's from massachusetts so she goes she'll pick a uh, she wants to go for fourth of july actually coming up or she'll pick like a thanksgiving or something she can go up take the kids to experience that part of the world too because now your kids are going to grow up and they're not going to know that part of the world anymore they're gonna know hawaii (laughs) Uh,
1: exactly so we yeah we would probably be back quite a bit you know that that's at least in our head is like hey we'd probably spend summers there spend holidays there um so we would still be be back quite a bit yeah hawaii's is a great place for kids to grow up like so it's been so it's been so great for our family we have it uh, hawaii i know what what i'm gonna Oh, the Ohana culture or whatever, you know, is that, is that how you say it? Like, Ohana. Yeah. Oh, like, but it's so true. Like we've just, we have, um, being here, like people have, people are way more family oriented here. Like it's, um, and the community, like it's almost daily, you know, we get a text of like, Hey, we're having a birthday party, or we're going to the beach to watch sunset. Like, and everybody, like, it's just, the Community here has been amazing. We we've yeah, really The Aloha it. spirit and any Aloha spirit. There we yeah. go. That's- even
0: when you go to the grocery store, you talk to Auntie over there. Or you were on the beach and you talk to the old couple. You know, it's just yeah. everyone has that that aloha uh-huh. nature. You know, that's the, the slow down mentality transitions into people now will take the time to get to know each other and have that.
1: And there's something so endearing about that, where like uh I was at the park the other day with our kids. And, uh, we, you know, a bunch of kids were running around and we ended up all playing like, I was, I think I was the monster and I was chasing them all. And yeah. afterwards they all were coming up to me, calling me uncle. Yeah. And I was, there was something about, it. I was like, man, I, I would do anything like, you guys want toys you guys want like i wouldn't do anything for you is they're uh, calling me uncle oh, really? it was, like it was so insane so, like with lexi like, people like there's just something so like family oriented about this place that we we have loved
0: you have to i i'm strict with my kids actually i make sure they call them auntie or uncle um they got a kiss on the cheek or when we leave somewhere you got to say bye to everybody and say thank you so all these little things are ingrained in our growing up here in hawaii that you have to do as a kid mm-hmm. you know I even kissing that. on the cheek like little mm-hmm. things like that it shows respect you know yeah
1: yeah, yeah. when the, when kids were calling me mm-hmm. uncle I, there's it was so endearing i was like i love it <laughs> so like there's something about that but well some
0: people don't like that because now you're feeling old right
1: <laughs> i do feel yeah I do feel old. my kids were running around with them too so but yeah. uh but I, I i i just thought that was cool like again the aloha spirit type thing yeah. so yeah
0: It's amazing. Um, so we got a question here. We we've been talking a lot. So we have one question we have to uh from Lanai is uh what should uh my very first step be in
1: real estate and buying real estate? Great question. Um I would say the the like very first step is like get educated, find a mentor. Um that that is what I did um is I started listening to every podcast that I could listen to. Mm-hmm. I started reading every book that I could get. Um, and then I found uh, a mentor, which uh, you know him or follow him, like Sam. Um, mm-hmm. Sam and Lucas uh, that were buying, you know, hundreds of houses a year. And I I actually started working with them. I started, I came onto their team. I was buying houses for them. Um, and so I started kind of learning the, the process of, Of how to buy houses and the great thing was there wasn't a ton of risk involved because they were the ones taking on the risk and i just got to learn the process and so um, that helped me tremendously Um, the second thing that i would say is just just do it like we that the first property that we bought um we did not know what we were doing at all um even though uh was friends with sam and lucas was friends with some some great mentors it was still Like, I I don't feel like you'll ever know what you're doing until you do it. Um, So the the first thing is like, get as educated as you can, but at some point you have to take 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 that. So many people get into analysis paralysis and they never buy a property. And for us, it was like, hey, we probably took, when we decided we wanted to get into real estate, we probably took six months of like, hey, Mm -hmm. like, uh, do we really want to do this? Like learning, but I finally got to the point where I'm like, I, I'm going to stop talking about it. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be about it. You know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Do it. Take the action. That's the hardest part of it all.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I constantly, even to this day, just taking action of things I need to do because I'm scared to do, or there's a phone call I need to make and I don't want to make it. I'm like, I just need to do it. Um, Somebody told me a great thing the other day I really enjoy was, um, you know, the ice bath thing is really popular at a cold shower, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, it feels so great after you get out, right? You have that great feeling, oh, that was great. I got out of it. But instead, you train your mindset to embrace the, once you jump into that cold plunge, you embrace the suck. You know, you're in the shower and it's freezing. You take your enjoyment then. So you're training your thought process to enjoy, enjoy the hard parts. Instead. Yeah. In, you know the outcome you know so that's great I, i'm Good trying time. to change my mindset to enjoy the suck embrace the suck <laughs> embrace the suck yes love that so that's awesome I, I love having you on here i know we talked for a while um i'm gonna go how, long, how long have we been talking <laughs> Man. Hour See, and hour. i feel like we've been talking for
1: 10 minutes so,
0: but uh, where can everybody follow you? And what's all the great things so people follow you on social? And
1: yeah, like, um, man, I'm not great at social. I'm, I'm trying to be better. So follow me. Just my my only really social right now is my uh, Instagram. It's cam c a m cathcart c a t h c a r t. So I'd love to to you know if if you guys have any questions or any thoughts, um, feel free to reach out to me uh, on there follow cam he's got coffee with cam He's stuff. he's
0: got some great uh educational stuff there all the time i watch cam's stuff it's great it's great to see and it's great wow, uh, great to be good friends with you i'm very blessed to have a be a friend Thank with you me, and too. just to get to know you and um,
1: it is it's so crazy how just like uh you know uh little decision of going to that sedona mastermind has, has yes. created many amazing relationships and <laughs> So, um, it's great, great getting to know you over the last couple of years.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast and, uh, thank you everybody for listening.
1: Thank you.